this idea that your data is yours. Weird. Right? I, I know it's 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 crazy. It's not quite sovereign identity, but um, you know, if you go to a bar and you don't want that bartender or that bouncer to know what your address is, you can hide it, right? You can you can just show them. Oh yeah, I'm over 21. There you go. They only have to see your your. Uh, your oh, they, need, they just need they just need to know that you're over 21. That's exactly. Like, they don't have to know your birth date either. Um, and so that's really, really uh, um, a cool factor that people start realizing, oh, this is something I can do. Welcome to Opolis Public Radio, where we dig into how a rapidly changing world is impacting our lives and what we can do about it, with a focus on freelancing, finances, and the future of work. Welcome to episode nine of Opolis Public Radio. I'm John Power, your host and founder and steward of Opolis. Today I'm joined by Russell Castanero of the Governor's Office of Information Technology. Hey, Russell. Good hey to there. see you, man. You too. So his mission is champion solutions, processes, and technologies that make government services more accessible, usable, and responsive to public needs. Um, he's got a lot of different hats that he wears over there. So um, one of them is My Colorado, which is a digital identity play that's been sponsored by the state and, and had the blessing of the governor. And uh, previous to that, he was the CEO of WAMPAY, a company dedicated to bringing peer-to-peer payments to any business, regardless of the credit, race, religion, origin, whatever, with or without a bank or a third party. So, Russell, it's fabulous to have you. We're thrilled that um, you're part of the you know, innovation space in Colorado. And um, tell us a little bit about how you got here and, and your background and, you know, your role specifically at the state. Sure. How I got to, how I got to the state or how I got to Colorado. Yeah. Tell us about the Hawaii thing and how you got yeah. here and like why Colorado and, and the whole sure. th- thing. Cause it's, it's actually quite an interesting sort of path. Like you, you, you probably couldn't predict it. Yeah, no, it would definitely circuitous i guess um it's uh so i i lived in i moved to hawaii in uh 1997 after i was uh around around that time in uh in the it world you had this sort of weird consulting model where you did big fixed big bid projects and implemented about like 80 percent of them and started moving your staff off to some other one so it made for like lots of really unhappy clients and i hated working in that environment so I uh, found a company in Colorado and in Hawaii that would uh, that wanted to let me start a practice for them. So my wife at the time and I moved down there. I worked there for a couple of years doing um, EIS and, and that kind of uh, that kind of a practice. Loved it. Ended up we were going to stay there for two years. Ended up staying there for uh, almost twenty years, raising my kids there, the whole thing. And uh, I for thirteen of those years I ran the self funded um, government portal called Hawaii Information Consortium. So we did all the e-government stuff in, uh, in the state. So file your taxes, start a business, um, get your birth certificate, um, order Obama's birth certificate, surprisingly, um, do weddings, <laughs> all these kinds of crazy things. And I loved it. It was great. Uh, but it kind of peaked out. And, uh, and so I start, and I, one of the things that was really crazy was um, we, had, we were the first state to legalize marijuana talk about circuitous, right? Uh, to legalize marijuana through legislation. So we had, um, in, in Hawaii at the time, we had- Not a referendum. Med- uh, med- right, so it was, it, was, it was legislation. The first state to do it through a legislative means, not through a referendum. Right. And, uh, which was a big deal. And, and so um, I was actually brought in to talk to the Senate um, and, or to talk to a committee from the Senate to uh, how, hey, how should we regulate them? How should we pay? And they- in the legislation, they're like, oh, well, we have to get a cashier's check because we don't know if their bank account's going to be getting that. It's like, no, no, <laughs> you can't ask for a cashier's. You can't ask for a check. They're not going to have bank accounts, you know? And so when that happened, I started looking into alternative ways to be able to receive payments. And, um, and then um, I, started, I read about this thing called Bitcoin. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I saw a bunch of things that were happening at South by Southwest that year. Um, with Bitcoin. So I went there and went to all the, all the South by Southwest Bitcoin sessions at the year. And I was like, okay, this is what's going to solve the problem for us. So I was, after that, I was pushing to try and get 
um, Bitcoin accepted as a payment method for all these cannabis companies coming on and also for other taxes and stuff like that. Well, that led me down the sort of rabbit hole of, of crypto and blockchain. And um, so by the time 2016 came around, um, I realized that I probably you know, peaked with HIC, couldn't really do that much more. And so I wanted to start Wampum as what it was back then, but then Wampay as we changed the name to. And, uh, and loved it. It was great. It was a good model and everything. It was the perfect product, except we didn't have that many customers. But uh, <laughs> that's a famous, a famous startup thing, right? But, uh, but it was really great being in the technology, helping companies figure out what, you know, we helped a lot of companies that ended up um, failing. A lot of the initial cannabis companies didn't really hold up. A lot of the, uh, like others, there's lots more than just cannabis companies that can't take payments. Uh, so it was doing a lot of work there and then um, realized that I couldn't do this and live in Hawaii. Hawaii is, I think, at the time, it maybe was the most, the second most restrictive as far as blockchain and, and cryptocurrency states go. I think now it's the most restrictive um, state since BitLicense has come a little, come a little ways since back then. Um, mm. So I... My, uh, my ex and I wanted to find a place that was good to raise our kids and everything separately, but together. And uh, we looked around and I was like, well, Colorado is in this crazy place. It's, uh, it's not dominated by one party. It's pretty purple. Uh, the population really needs to work together. It's relatively young. It's not, you know, not a super, super old or super young um, population. Uh, lots of diversity. Lots of people come there. Um, they don't have like a major center, a finance center, or or you know like the, like the East Coast or West Coast, which all with all the um, with all the startups and everything. It's sort of in between everything. And and from my standpoint, I always wanted to get back into government. And um, you know, it's not that we don't don't have a budget here that you have to put everything together with duct tape. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you can't just say, oh, we need to solve that problem. Let's just throw $100 million to a big consulting company and let them do it. You have to actually use some ingenuity and come up with the right sized sort of solution. And so, um, so that was like, oh, this is going to be a great place to move to. And so I was going to be half time in Hawaii and half time here, you know, perfect life. And I got off the plane on, in, in September and I was working at a co-working place. I had an office and they said, Oh, are you going to Denver startup week? I was like, what's Denver startup week? You know? Um, so I ended up going and I saw like all, I saw state and city government all really, really supportive. Um, I saw the, um, the um, amazing stuff that we got out of um, out of the startup community, the support from there, from all over. You know, this was like the biggest, I guess, startup event I had ever been to. Uh, one of the it's one of the biggest in the country. I mean, yeah, of, of yeah. any of, of of any size of city, for for sure, yeah, for sure. And and then uh, um, and then to see that even the companies that were here, and that was really the the kicker. Not only government, because government always wants to help, you know, do startups and everything, startups make it happen, but the companies themselves were giving their space for their office space to do these events that were going on throughout the week. It was just like, oh my gosh, how can I how can I have a startup anywhere else, right? So I decided I was going to sell my house and move full-time to Colorado as a result of Denver Startup Week. And, uh, and so then moved the company here um, 100% and um, really got to talk to loads of people. I mean, the crypto community here, the blockchain community here, even though it was growing, was, was crazy. That was the first year ETH Denver um happened and so you know I, I remember walking in and seeing this poster up like eat denver what's that and showing up and like oh wow this is kind of crazy that there's all these people i couldn't i only could go for like a couple hours but i was really bummed out that i, that I was only there for this is a 2018 installment the first yeah. year oh wow yeah, the first year i didn't realize you came to the first one yeah it was like super quick i was because yeah. like, i had my kids and i was uh, like had somebody else watching my kids for me for two hours and so i was like okay, yeah okay and uh and so that was crazy what are, the, what are these buff accords what is that <laughs> i i had no idea i was like okay i don't and i didn't really get the whole buffalo thing yet either so i was like uh what's happening here and um luckily when you come from hawaii there's all this crazy japanese stuff so you get used to little trinkets and stuff so yeah this was a, i was i was familiar with 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 like crazy cuteness but i wasn't familiar with the rough the rough cuteness of the buff accord 
you know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we that, well, that was nobody really was back in 2018. Right. Everybody's right. like, what is that? That's weird. And now it's like, oh, it's collaborative and magical. Like, I yeah. get it. <laughs> it's kind of fun, but yeah, whatever. But, uh, it's, anyway. it's total. It's it's like total nerd nerdery, but like we we like it. It's a good still, meme. What's the, what, what's the, 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 the field varmint? Is that the? The spork marmot. Spor, yeah, spork varmint. The spork marmot. 2021 is the year of the spork marmot. I'm ready. I'm ready for some varmint. <laughs> That's um, hilarious. So, okay. So how did you land at, at the OIT. governor at OIT? So for everybody that doesn't know, it's the governor's office of information technology. Um, explain what you guys do. You guys support all the state agencies except the secretary of state. So there are, there are certain, um, parts of government that are um, executive agencies, right? And so that's the big ones that have um, executive directors that are appointed by, um, by the governor. Uh, and so those are the, the normal ones, DOLA, DORA, um, revenue, right. you know, um, higher ed, public safety. So, so we support all, we support like actually all of them, but in our charter, we are made to absolutely support agencies right the agencies are the executive agencies and then there's right. other other parts and secretary of state is its own uh, you know it's 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 a, the secretary of state's elected separately so they're they're separate but we work with the secretary of state um on certain things you know uh, it just depends but it's not right. they don't have to go through us for things right like and then and just just to give everybody a, a sense of like the type of orgs that you're talking about here the size of OIT is how many uh, about a thousand people. Thousand people. So you have a thousand person internal org, and then the total headcount of the state agencies that you support. I think it's around thirty thousand. Um, that that's in like with direct support with some direct services. We may do some sort of. We do a lot with the counties and everything in more of a consultative way, especially in a time of COVID or any sort of crisis. So it's even more than that, really. The 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 community of, of of individuals that we actually serve. And then your role is the really heading up digital uh, transformation, right? So it's it really right. over, emerging tech, overseeing innovation, modernizing public, as I always like to say, modernizing public good infrastructure with technology, right? Really looking for yeah. optimizations and working with all the different agencies to actually implement that. Yeah, and, and I think that I mean I think that's a, an interesting part of my job in that um, you know if you have twelve consultants in the room, you'll have fourteen different definitions of digital transformation. Um, that's just the way that's just the way it goes. Uh, and, well, why don't you so, tell, why don't you tell us what your version is then? Right. So so I believe that digital transformation is leveraging, and I think you already said it in my introduction, right? People, processes, and um, and uh, technology to help solve problems with our customers for their customers and ourselves. Right. And so and your, your customer being the state agencies. So and our customers would typically be a state agency or in the case of my Colorado, actual individuals. Yeah. Actual. And then, and then their customers would be um, their constituents, whoever they serve, whether it's the, the public or, you know, it, it depends, but um, that is, you know, what I'm, what I'm really not interested in is what we used to call automation projects or modernization projects, you know, because automation is exactly what it sounds like. It's saying all we care about is making the back end work better. So it's sort of a point solutions and automating certain maybe manual processes, but it's not really changing the face of much of the dynamics. Right. 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 And, and modernization can be sort of the same thing, but I've, I've seen modernization projects where they just upgraded the technology and decided to move that green screen from the, from a, from a, a terminal emulator to a, uh, to a, a 4GL generated green screen app. Yeah. You know? I, I guess yeah. it depends on how you talk about modernizing, right? I mean, if you're talking right. about just like incremental improvement or step changing, it's not that exciting. But if you're talking about moving from a web two world to a web three world exactly. as a modernizing plan right like that's actually kind of interesting yeah and, and and i think you know i don't have the luxury of being able to push web 3 very much um well nobody has, well in our honest. we'll talk about the game jam in a minute but like right but like when talk, they don't understand what that is like they, right but what the, they do understand is that things work better you know right. 
and and so so the way I look at it is, and one of the reasons why I like working in state government so much, is because there's really no other place you can work that positively affects more people when you when you come to it with um, with the belief that you want to do good. Like you can change more people's lives in state government because you can get into state government and do work and come up with solutions and solve problems. You could do it with more people, but it's much harder to get in in federal government, right? But in state government, you really can make a huge difference with, um, with solutions. And, mm-hmm. um, and when you do that, you know, if, if you go, when people go to the, the typical DMV, not the Colorado DMV, because actually it's pretty good. But um, the typical DMV, the one, the one I compared to, other states, ask, compared to other states. Depends who you ask. But anyway, right? But but uh, you know, if you go to um, what was the movie uh, with the with with uh, uh, with Speedy Zootopia? Uh, Are you yeah, about? Zootopia. You know, the world of Zootopia. You know. Um, you get out of that, and you are you feel defeated. You feel like nobody really cared about you. No, the government didn't care. You were just doing what you had to do to get through this excruciating process and when you can deploy government what's that it's painful it is it is but if you can go through an experience if you can experience something where you're surprised you're delighted because it went so well like wait i'm done like this is all i have to do well i I don't you know that is when that's when it gets that's a good stuff you know that's when you you leave as a as a as a customer of the government service you say oh wow Maybe they know what they're doing and I feel taken care of and I feel better about my government, you know, uh, and, and it, and it, you know, that sets the stage for, a, uh, like remaking the, the, the whole relationship that someone has with their, with their state government and that they're thinking, Oh, my, the government is actually trying to help and get me back to doing what I'm supposed to be doing, whether that's working or enjoying my time with my family or going off and hiking in the mountains or whatever it is. And, and that's, what, um, that's what I think digital transformation has to do. It has to let, whether you're a state employee that doesn't have, don't, don't have to go through a tedious process to do something, or you're um, someone who's using government services, and you don't have to go outside of your, your normal you know, routine to get something done. Yeah, well, I mean, what it sounds like you're talking about is like, so if you if you rewind the clock to state governments and what they were designed to do and how we got here, you know, state governments have always been designed to look out for their constituencies, right? Like it's it's designed to look out for the citizenry of that particular geography. And as a citizen of that particular state, you're you're given certain rights and services in exchange for paying taxes, right? And what seems like has happened is like the best interests of the government over time has evolved to almost just be the best interests of the government. Right. So like the government, like because of, uh, you know, reelections and incentives around, you know, getting elected and all that, like, I think there's a large group of people that feel like the government just isn't working for them anymore. And then these bureaucracies are just gobbling up state resources to just exist. And there really isn't a motivation or incentive to actually get any better. In fact, shoot, if we were to cut out 80% of our, our uh, costs because we really implemented some digital transformation that was just amazing, well, we wouldn't get that budget next year. So why would we do that? Right? Like, so it seems like you have a pretty interesting sort of seat because you're probably you probably feel that sort of like the old school oh, yeah. and the new school kind of like tension. Right. So tell us about that. Like, how is it, how is it, what's it like sitting in the middle of 40 something thousand, 30,000 plus a thousand people and you really leading this effort of digital transformation. Tell us about how that is. And um, how is that going? Like what, what, what are the, what are the challenges and positives and what are the movements? Yeah. I, I mean, there, there are so many, ways to go on that it's such a such a great and an interesting question and and probably you know one of the coolest challenges of my job or a number of the coolest challenges of my job um you know colorado has a rel- has a smaller budget than if you compare it to other states than uh, other states would have for the population that 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 the government serves oh really oh yeah so so tabor the taxpayer bill of rights keeps the budget really really small compared to what, um, you know, what a, a four and a half or six million 
po- uh, person population state would normally have our budget. And the amount that we spend on like IT specifically is I, I think the last I saw was about half of what the average state would spend as far as a percentage of, of our wow. of our revenue. So um, we keep things pretty light. And what that means is most of the time agencies are under the gun and underinformed about the kind of solutions that are out there. And either either they're overly dependent on vendors or they're, you know, just trying to fly by the seat of their pants a lot of times. And there are some that are very well funded, but most of them want to do the right thing. They're trying to do the right thing, but this is hard work. And, you know, one, one of the cool things that the Polis administration did when they came in was they said, let's go agile. And in agile, you know, one of the things that, that one of the tenets of that is to fail fast, right? You, you want to put up ideas and have them fail when you've only spent $10,000 on it instead of failing after you've spent a million dollars on it, right? Um, and that's not to say that we're encouraging failure, but we'd rather something fail earlier than later. Um, sure. So, so, so really bringing that forward, and there are, I'm not the only one who's, who's trying to do this in, in the state. There's lots, and, and CDOT is one of the ones that's really interesting in how they approach um, um, agile, you know, agile approaches and innovation and how they, they incentivize different groups. Um, it, it, they're very interesting. But um, one of the things that we did just last year was introduce a new method of, uh, of uh, uh, procurement, which was uh, an intent to negotiate. Right, and that's so you could support uh, an agile, um, an agile procurement for services that basically involve deliverables along the way. That at any point you could say, okay, well, we're going to cut it loose now, right? So, so mm. that you could, for the first time, have one of these agile uh, projects. These big projects that come out, you know, if any, you know, anybody that's listening to this probably has some tech chops. They know that that you know, seventy-five percent of waterfall projects fail, and they may fail because they, they delivered exactly what they're supposed to do. Not that that happens a lot, but even if they deliver exactly what they were intended to, to deliver, it turned out the business rules for the organization changed in the period of time. Or, yeah, or just the, the overall requirements ended up being antiquated or whatever. Right, like, exactly. Just, yeah. You know, some of these big projects take years and years to deploy, you know. Yeah, by the time you get it done, it's like, you know, the whole industry of whatever you're in is advanced beyond what you were trying to build to begin with. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so, and so that's why, you know, some of the things that we've been doing, like um, luckily with the legislation that came out, was it two or three years ago um, around blockchain, where we funded these blockchain use cases. And that was what was some of the driving stuff behind uh, East Denver last year with the Colorado forward track. That was still this year, man. Can you believe that? That, was that like, this year? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like six months ago. Seven, uh, what is it? Uh, seven months ago. Oh it, was, my God. it was, it was pre COVID era. You know, yeah, it was so. like, yeah, PC, pre-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but it does. It, seem, it seems like forever ago, you know. Um, but, you know, actually approaching and saying, look, let's see if we have another way to solve, to solve some problems by throwing these problems out there and saying, hey, we're looking for solutions. Um, that right. was crazy. That, you know, a, a method of, you know, I was one of the things I was trying to do was to get remote work through. <laughs> that was my, my area trying to make sure that we could support remote work and even go as high as 30%, 40% of our workers being remote. And uh, yeah, I was pushing for this. I was like, oh yeah, well, let's take it easy. Let's slow that down a little bit. And then um, then COVID happened and within a month, uh, you know, the state was 100% remote. That's crazy. insane. So you were getting all the pushback, just trying to get remote to 30% and then COVID pushed it to 100% in a month? Yeah. And that, you know, that is goes unbelievable. Back to people, people having other things that are on their plate that they No, I know, do. but it just it highlights the bureaucracy though because like when push comes to shove and you got to do it, man, you can do a lot of things in a very collapsed amount of time if you have to. Well, um in a lot of ways, you know, the COVID crisis has enabled us to move forward in leaps and bounds. Um the hmm. you know, one sort of the like a trimming process like a well, like a pruning yeah, I mean, one of the things like uh, that that the uh, Department of Revenue was able to do because of, just because of timing of their leases, when COVID happened, they uh, dropped a lease for one of their buildings yeah. because everybody was going to be remote, and, that, and then we then scrambled to get them, you know, migrated, and we worked with our existing vendors to try and come up with solutions that didn't require a desk phone, uh, you know, 
back back then, I remember I remember that we had we had a bunch of uh, um, of IVR systems, interactive voice response. So it's when you call in, you know, that can only be reprogrammed from someone's desk phone. You know, um, you know, those kinds of things are out the window, right? <laughs> right. Once, yeah, you're once done. no one's coming into the office, you know, we, we were like talking about how, oh yeah, that's a real hassle because on days when, uh, uh, when there's a, a, you know, big snowstorm, you can't come in to change the, to change it the same. But when you have a big, uh, big, uh, you know, pandemic, it, it turns out it's even worse. Right. So, yeah. so those kinds of things have been amazing. And, you know, the digital ID is um, one that's really close to my heart. You know, one of the reasons that, that this job appealed to me was also that digital identity is one of the big blockers for blockchain, unfortunately, right? One of the things that's really inhibiting its adoption. And uh, with digital ID, Colorado is one of only two states to offer a digital driver's license that you can use. Um, in any real way. And, um, and the things that we're doing in the future for digital, we're going to do for digital ID, go even, um, go even further. So I think, you know, that's another one of those that COVID sort of pushed that to the fore even more as well. Um, so got, uh, we should tell our listenership that you've got a, you've got some information coming out about that. We just can't, we can't talk about it yet. Right. We've got, we've got a lot. So we, we're, we're going to be coming out with a whole vision for, uh, for what we think digital identity can do for, you know, can do for Colorado and where it should, uh, where we should end up with it. Um, right now, you know, if you, if you talk about where we are um, as far as digital identity and digital ID, the My Colorado app is available on, um, on, you know, the Google Play Store or the uh, Apple Store and you can download it on your phone. And if you have a, a state ID, a Colorado state ID or Colorado driver's license, you can actually on-ramp and get an electronic version of your license that you can use, and you can scan that. You can scan it with a QR code or with it with a the two D barcode that's in the back. You can also, you know, one of the things we're trying to do is to to socialize this um, uh, this idea that your data is yours. Weird. Right? I, I know it's 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 crazy. It's not quite sovereign identity, but um, you know, if you go to a bar and you don't want that bartender or that bouncer to know what your address is, um, you can hide it, right? You can, you can just show them, oh yeah, I'm over 21. There you go. They only have to see your, your, uh, your, oh, they, need, they just need, they just need to know that you're over 21. That's exactly. Like they don't have to know your birth date either. Um, and so that's really, really, uh, um, a cool factor that people start realizing, oh, this is something I can do because it's going to normalize what really the next phase is, which is, selectively sharing your information and only sharing what you must share or what you choose to share. Right. I mean, it's really about choice in the end. I mean, I I remember I was on a, I was on a panel last year and there, there was, this was a um, a state of, I think it was the department of education thing. Um, No, it was a C lab thing. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, some really, really intelligent people on this panel, but you know, they were really talking about data from a perspective of, like federating data, right? Like federated data sharing. And, and like, you know, I was sort of the boohoo guy on the panel because I'm just like, you know, look, I think you guys are talking about like things that are already out of date. Like the next iteration of this is actually handing the user their own data and allowing them to share it with whomever they want in a, in a validated, attested to kind of way. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about things that just aren't going to happen anymore. And they're like, I don't think they'd actually really considered that. So the fact that you guys are doing this at the state level and this is, you know, being championed by, you know, the state, you know, and saying like, look, people need to own their data and privacy is actually being considered. This is really big news. I mean, this is not like small stuff because I mean, in a lot of settings, this is like pushing string up a hill. Like, you know, if you were to go walk into the state of California and, and talk, even though they're super innovative and progressive and all this, this concept would be like booed out of the parking lot. Like, I don't think that they're ready for it. Colorado is yeah. like the, a, a unique place to do that. It seems like, at least from my Absolutely. Take. You know, we have a couple of questions that popped out. Should we answer those too? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, what do we got here? So okay. I saw GT said, you mentioned socializing the idea that data, my data is mine. Can you hide your weight? I love that question. I always like to hide. Yes, you can hide your weight. So you, uh, you don't have to display your weight on, on there. So boom. Done. Adopt it right now. So yeah. 
Uh, and the other is what can, um, what can people do to help you with user adoption? I have a background in anthropology and would like to help with um, user experience stuff. Oh, well, I'm uh, russell.castagnero at state.co.us. We'll probably post, I guess we can post that in some notes or something. Hey, you can but, type the answer right here, Russell. Oh, there we go, look at you. .castagnero at oh, state.co.us. All right. So cool. Anyway. Yeah. And we're going to have some more, t- a little bit more time yeah. at the end of this, uh, Russell for, for Q and A. We'll, we'll let them kind of, uh, file in here. Yeah. Sure. We'll, we'll let the next ones. Yeah. Thanks. You have good to, good to, good to see you here from you. Yeah. But um, well, you know, what, what I think is really, what's, what's really going to, you know, going back to what you said, it's like that old, that joke about, you ever hear the joke about the, the brother, the, the brother and the chicken or, and the, uh, and the eggs. No, so this, but, this this brother goes to this guy goes to the doctor goes to the, to the psychologist and says, "Doc, I got to tell you, I got a problem with my brother." And the doctor's like, "Okay, what's the problem?" He's like, "Well, he thinks he's a chicken." And um, he's like, "Okay, it sounds like I should be talking to your brother, not to you." And and then he says, "Well, here's the thing, I need the eggs, right?" <laughs> so he doesn't. Well, yeah, he knows it's crazy, but he needs the eggs. The same thing with people's data, right? Um, we have this federated model where people are, where organizations are sharing and owning our data, right? Our, our oh, individual yeah. data. And, um, and, and nobody really has a framework or a business model that, can, that, that, that works in any other way because nobody well, it, can really it, but, conceive of it. Right? And data is dollars. So data, data, is, dollars it, data is the economics. So what you're really talking about is actually reallocating the data back to the the source of it, and and at the same time reallocating economics, right? So right. Th- that's the resistance. That's the that's the the sticking point, right? So there we are really talking about a reorganization of economic design. I mean, it's 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 really talking about a new game to help manage people's personal lives as it relates to their citizenry in Colorado, as an example, right? Like. Their data is their privacy. It's their stuff. It shouldn't be shared with just everybody, every state agency that wants access to it. Like, no. I mean, that's well. And and the thing is, is that up until recently, we didn't even have a good t- a, a chance of of managing that like ourselves, right? We needed these third parties to do this because it was the only way to make it happen. The only way that we could make it so you could get an insurance right. quote when you needed one. Absolutely. Intermediary, intermediaries were, were, were the innovation of its time, right? So creating right. intermediaries to automate or, 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 you know, simplify or create new services is, is sort of the way that we used to do things. But now right. it's really moving and, away from that through tech. And likely they'll still be, I mean, they won't go away, right? But we'll no, have no a whole bunch of new services. You know, it's, it's just like, you know, horses didn't go away when, when the automobile came out. They just had a different use most of the time, right? Um, and and the same thing with this is that this will give a safe space for the next dozen, fifty, hundred companies in this space to let businesses get the information that they need and only the information that they need. And by the way, also mitigate risk. So so right. what we can do now is give attestations as opposed to the actual information. So do you need to you know? When you go to uh, a liquor store and you buy alcohol, they're, in, they're required to check your ID, right? And so they can do that. Um, when you have liquor delivered to your house, they have, to keep, they have to be able to prove that they checked your ID. And what that means is that they probably take a picture of your driver's license on their phone and upload right. it to some, with the server somewhere, right? right? Um, what we can also do with this kind of technology that we're working on is make it so that they no longer have to manage the risk of that PII, that personal, personal identifiable information, right? They can get an attestation and we can even write on the blockchain, hey, they checked their ID and they were over 21, done. And so now, boom, that's how they can do it. That's awesome. So my Colorado ID is, is, is out, so people can go do that. So we talked about like working with the state agencies, coming up with use cases, rapid iteration, pilot programs. Like what, what else are you excited about? I mean, there might be this sort of employment play that I've heard about this. 
Yeah, I, I What's wish it called? O, Opolis? Opolis? Opolis. It's the it's the Irish version of our government. No, um, it, it's uh, Opolis. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that that what Opolis is doing with the the Commons um, is really amazing, and the the number of different applications, even outside of where we think about you know gig economy, high tech, or those, those kind of things, but. Um, people that that don't have another way to um, have an organization that's looking out for them um, and need to get some sort of benefits and are really on their own otherwise can really take advantage of of what you're doing with Opolis. And uh, um, unfortunately, it's too early to talk about it, but there are a lot of people talking about it, you know? Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think, I think Opolis is a, is a, you know, I think it's really interesting to kind of see how the convergence of, you know, private for-profit sort of like efforts, like collaboratives, like cooperatives, right? Like can can actually begin to provide public utility-esque type services that aren't necessarily government-owned, right? But they could be government-supported, right? So it really could become by the people for the people. That's right. In a, in a, in a much more pure sense, because it's, it's like real time economics too. It's not, well, we got to wait eight years for now, uh, you know, for an exit and we got to do all this, you know, right. yeah, I mean, you're really doing it in real time and, real time. and, you know, creating fluidity of work and creating just opportunities for individuals and really creating the next generation ecosystem for the, these kinds of interactions is really what we're talking about here. And uh, I mean, I'm thrilled to, I mean, I wish we could talk more about specifics because, you know, we got to get a little bit further down the road, but um, are there any other pilots that you're excited about maybe looking at implementing aside from one for Opolis and, yeah. and, and obviously the Colorado ID, but there's, we've talked about the DMV, we've talked about, um, I mean, I've heard stuff about birth certificates, I've heard stuff about like all sorts of different things. So anything else that stands out to you? Um, so we have a lot, we have a lot more potential use cases that are coming out for that, the government. And, the, and now they're not just talking about use cases with blockchain, but they're talking about, um, you know, simple things like your fishing license electronically in your wallet, right? Credentials, like right. getting, you know, when you look at what like learning economy and what um, higher ed is doing, being able to have your credentials that you get from your higher education from, you know, a university or, or, uh, or community yeah. college, in Colorado, being able to put all those on there, um, just about you know, it's kind of a, a like a horrible experience in a lot of for a lot of schools when you want to want to get access to your um, to your transcript. Simplifying that, you know, would would make thousands of people all over, you know, breathe a sigh of relief when they have right. when they have to figure out how to do that. You've got um, and and you know, I'm really excited to grow on what we've already done with uh, um, with the Colorado Forward. Uh, or forward Colorado um, through uh, East Denver this year, and then through the Game Jam, which this is Game Jam shirt, right? Which was so I was uh, going to say that's a pretty sick shirt, man. That's yeah, awesome. it's pretty, and it's super comfortable as well. <laughs> um, but but really excited to see you know to see what we can come up in the next iteration of like like a sort of innovation festival, right? That we can bring even more great minds to you know to the frontier of GovTech, right? Which is Colorado. And, uh, and I think that it will be, you know, whatever we come up with is going to be um, at least 10 times as awesome as Game Jam was, which was 10 times as awesome as what we did for East Denver. So, um, and I, I'm, I'm really excited about, um, about what the next phase that the details of which aren't 100% clear, but I can tell you right now that um, it will be exciting. Yeah, well, I'm I'm highly aware of how exciting it's going to be. So, like for our for our listenership, we're going to just tease a little bit here. There's uh, there's going to be some pretty significant announcements here coming up in the next couple of weeks, likely about what the plans are for Eat Denver 2021 as it relates to the state and what that's going to look like for everybody. But just plan on um, you you might want to get some some support for your jaw because it might actually fall to the ground and get, you know, skinned up a little bit in all seriousness though. Like it's really, um, it's really awesome to have the support of just an innovative governmental structure, right? Like something, uh, an organization and a set of people that's actually willing to lay it out there and, and make these kind of take these risks and make these changes on behalf of its citizenship, right. Or citizenry. Yeah. Like, 
it's 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 really pretty quite frankly it's rare and it feels like you know, I was talking with um, our CTO the other day and we were talking about innovation and you know when you talk about the tug of war right you've got the old and the new and you get the tug of war well it's it's often the best pull in the tug of war of things pull the rope from the center you know create a new dimension you know don't get into the binary fight but like let's let's actually create something new so in the in the in the vein of that um 2021 i think it coming out of the backside of covid hopefully is going to be a pretty big effort i think on behalf of that's a horrible um, image the backside of covid but well, um, whatever but you know on the on the down the on the on the uh the, the, the tail end of it, right? Like we just, right. uh, you know, yeah. I think coming out and looking to opportunities and what's sort of been created in, in the, in the sort of middle of 2020 with all of this is going to be, I think a big opportunity for the state and for individuals to get involved. So I think it's, it's going to be really cool. So um, for those that don't know, um, I mean, do you want to give us the, the high level on what the game jam was about? Because like, you know, of course I was involved in it, but like, you know, you, oh, you could do a better job of that. You know, it, it, it's too bad. We don't have Lou here. So I should mention that, you know, I'm, I do, I'm the director of digital transformation. Um, and I work more on a, on a micro scale with every agency and everything. And then you've got Lou Cordova who is working in the governor's office on digital transformation at a higher level to digitally transform, you know, to give higher level support to decision makers so that they can have a brave space to innovate um, to their heart's content to solve problems. Well, what I think is cool about it is it's, it's not happening from inside of um, like she left the department of revenue as the ED, right. right. To now take on this special advisory role to the governor about digital transformation. So it's not actually a part of any one agency. So she has a lot more. Um, it seems like, it seems like she has a lot more, sort of direct access and latitude to kind of really make things happen. So that's shout out to Lou, by the way, she, yeah. she and the, and uh, the, the entire crew at um, the, the Colorado lottery did a fabulous job at, at um, working with Such us. Cool on, it, it was really cool. So for and those I popped of in on some of the, some over the weekend, I would pop in on a random group that was just chatting about their solution and stuff. It was really fun. Yeah, it's really cool. So uh, for those that don't know, um, Eat Denver and well, Opolis being you know really involved in that whole effort. Of course, um, we were approached by the Colorado Lottery wanting to build a hackathon, essentially to design a new game for the Colorado Lottery. So uh, there's a lot of factors that went into kind of initiating that, but in the end, we had 30 project submissions from 200 participants, 209, I think. I'm just, I'm just flying off the seat of my pants here, but, but it was like tw- 21 States and 20 countries or something. It was, it was like, wow. I mean, and all of this came together like really wonderfully and just the collaborative nature of it and, and the quality of the submissions was really cool. The verifiable, uh, you know, uh, randomness that was proven mm-hmm. by using the, uh, the chain link technology. I mean, it was really, that was really a great cool. hook, you know, bringing a chain link in for that. Was it, is it basically, was it an Oracle that they provided that provided random numbers? Is that? But yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically what verifiable randomness using blockchain tech is, is, is like this new thing, right? So it's, it's basically gives provable fairness, right? right. So it's like, well, look, if the, if, if you, if you have a, I don't know, blackjack app or something like that, or anything that requires, you know, like even these uh, games of chance, right? Like where you're playing a monitor game and you're picking numbers and whatever. It's like, well, the last thing you want to know is that somebody could game that like, but in today's iteration of gambling, like there, it is gameable. I mean, because somebody owns the code, right? So in, in the world of blockchain tech and what Chainlink was able to demonstrate and what a lot of the, the participants actually built into their games was verifiable randomness, right? So like provable fairness of the game, which was really a really cool sort of foreshadowing, I think of what could come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the lottery was thrilled and the participants were great. We mailed out swag packages to everybody that participated and gave an address so like everybody got one of those t-shirts that you're talking about. So that was really cool, really fun. Yeah. Anyway, so more to come, um, Etherspace on that. And hey, can, I, can, I, can I mention a couple of things about my Colorado too? Yeah, to yeah, please. Yeah, um, it's your floor. Yeah, so, so uh, um, you know, what's really cool um, in, in my Colorado back when we released it in um, 
in October of last year, uh, Governor Polis came out with an executive order that basically said, hey, this is a real ID. And one of the things we did was exempted out the police because we wanted to make sure we worked on their safety. So, you know, one of the most dangerous things a policeman does is they get on the side of the road and a lot of them get hit by cars. And so minimize, minimizing the amount of potential for, hurt, for harm to come to them in just doing their standard job. And uh, we are actually in the pilot phase. And, and I, you know, have to give it, um, uh, I think she, she uh, is moving on in a couple of days, but uh, Dr. Teresa Cizerek, uh, our CIO um, gave us plenty of uh, safe space and cover for the team to develop um, this solution that we're actually in live field testing with uh, public safety um, to allow you to use your digital ID when you get, if you got pulled over and yeah, not so good, but you know, if you get pulled over, you forgot your ID. Oh no, I've got it right here. You can do it. And, and you, awesome. don't, you, don't, you don't give your phone to them or anything. You just send your phone electronic, your, your, uh, information electronically includes your your registration and your insurance if you've loaded on your phone too so um that's pretty cool um and that's coming out and we're also piloting with a few other healthcare organizations to allow you to use it like for enrollment um you know into their system and of course you get to choose what fields they actually can access to do that when you're right that sounds like a really interesting integration for opolis um, I think we should. Let's well, uh, maybe we should. Let's do it. More let's to come. It. Yes. It's the immediate sign up. Stand here and immediate. <laughs> and you're, sign up. it basically cuts out, you know, half of your uh, onboarding. Yeah. yeah. All yeah, right. We're so doing we that with uh, the My Colorado Journey, I think, as well. We're working yeah. on on a super easy. You know, that that's a lot more younger folks are doing their My Colorado Journey, which traces their their kind of their whole career path. Um, through their education process into their jobs and new jobs and all sorts of cool things like that. That's awesome. And, so, and also, I just want to, in case they're listening, um, we have a great team at OIT who's doing, who we're operating in a very different way. Shout um, out. So, so we've got a great team of developers and testers and all these, you know, developers and testers are now the same thing because we're all agile. But um, we used to have a great team that is highly motivated and we're getting this out. Um, in a, in a way that kind of blows everybody that sees what's happening away, including ourselves sometimes. So um, it's really cool. And if anybody is interested in downloading the app or learning more, it's mycolorado.state.co.us um, is the website. So Awesome. Thanks. Well, we got one final question here, and then we're going um, to go ahead and call it a day, man. So we got uh, Taylor, my man. What's up, man, from hey. Learning Economy? What's the major hurdle to achieving a true Web3 state infrastructure? And what's the one thing that Jane or Joe Schmo can do to help? So that's a great question. And I think that the first thing to do is, um, is to say, is to ask yourself, um, when has it ever been a good strategy to talk about a specific technology when you're trying to get something adopted? Like, you know, just like trying saying, oh yeah, everybody should be using crypto. Well, no, we have to have problems that are solved by Web3 technologies, you know. So what we should do is be open and actively using more Web3 tools so that we can normalize those, right? So once we normalize those, we have all sorts of limitations on infrastructure and things like that within the state, and that's not going away, right? But, but what we can do is normalize those technologies so that legislators, when they hear Web3, don't immediately go, um, I don't know what that is or IT right. people, you know, I, IT people, what's web three, you know, uh, it, it, it took long enough for everybody to get, catch on to web two. Um, so, you know, I think that the answer, the short answer to that is, is that we need to start using it for more, for more things. And when, when it's being used, recognize it for what it is, right? Because it's yeah. not, it's not necessarily so clear on uh, what it is. And, and I think we did a lot of good at Denver. Um, because we had a lot of Web3 examples that were out there and people were like, I had no idea you could do this. In a lot of cases, since these are using services, right, it's easier to put these pieces together than it is other solutions. So you can actually leapfrog some of the, the limitations that, that, you know, Web2 technologies and, and client server technologies for sure and multi-tier technologies have currently. So, yeah. so you know, I'm a big proponent, but we need to be careful and not just say go Web3. We need to, we need to give them use case. Why should they go Web3, 
where well, and I and I think as a it sounds like what you're saying as a user is you know just try stuff and and give feedback and and be a part of the process you know like let let's collaborate on on the feedback looping system to actually you know give those use cases but then iterate on them quickly and and figure out ways that we can just continue to advance the ball so I think supporting each other in the innovation process and then actually using the technology like for example. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to just say it right now. I will be a, my Colorado uh, ID user within a week. Okay. So like I will have it, I will have it all set up within a week and I haven't done it. I'm like, why haven't I done this? Like, you know, I need to be supportive of these things. And It'll I think be the that's best four minutes of your life. No, I... Best four minutes. Well, I, yeah, I got to, there's a couple other things I got to do before I got to do that. <laughs> but, but anyway, that's a whole nother subject. Anyhow. Uh, Russell, thank you so much for your for your your John energy and your contribution to innovation. And quite frankly, pushing string up a hill, I know, is part of your job. And it's you you do an amazing job at it. So thank you for being you. And we look forward to working with you a bunch more. That's exciting. There's a whole there's a whole lot of people pushing a whole lot of strings up the hill. Um, only a few of us have to make it, and we have a string that we can all use. But there's a lot of people pushing strings. Yeah, well, continue doing great work at the OA team and and, uh, give our collective kudos to the collective team. We appreciate all the work going on over there. We're proud to live in this state and uh, we encourage anybody and everybody to come visit and see what we're talking about. Because like, you know, this is, you know, when you talk about loose bricks in the wall of, you know, the United States government, I mean, Colorado is a blaring obvious example of an opportunity for real transformation in, in not a binary, you know, sort of, you know, tyranny of the minor majority kind of way, but in a real transformational, you know, multidimensional way, new dimensional way. So it's like a pull from the center, pull from the pull side, from the, pull the yeah. pull the rope from the center. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for the, for joining this episode of Opolis public radio, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Opolis and our YouTube channel for more videos, just like this and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts if you prefer the audio version, if you're a freelancer, gig worker, independent contractor, and you're looking for an employment solution where you want to own your own employment and you want to be free and sovereign to work from where with whom and how much you choose, join us at opolis.co. That's O-P-O-L-I-S dot C-O. We are an employment cooperative refacing the way that employment is organized for individuals. So we look forward to seeing you next time. That's all. Buff of corn forever. <laughs> Buff of corn forever. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you liked the episode. If you did, please leave us a rating or review and don't forget to subscribe. See you next time.